If I could make a PSA on that, um, I would definitely agree that what our goal is, is to have the people closest to the concern, the problem, the question. It's not always um, a negative or a mm -hmm. combative thing, um, but the folks who are closest to the answer um, are the best people to start with. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio. Anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM dial at 102.9. Here today for the first of a series of conversations with our school superintendent, Lucas Giguere. Lucas, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, Steve. Thanks for inviting me on. You're welcome, and we'll continue with this. You're five months in. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well, thanks for asking. Uh, if I'm being honest, it's definitely been a fast-paced job and a transition, I think, coming internally. Uh, many would believe, oh, well, you've already worked there, so it must be a breeze, and Just I will tell sliding you. sliding right into it. Yes, yeah. I, think, uh, I think I've been transitioning uh, prior to the five-month start period to really try to get things off the ground for the district and our system, and it's been, um, there's been a lot of rewarding work, but it's been very, uh, there's been a lot of effort put into yeah. to get this year off the ground and put some some good plans in place um, that we're working towards, and uh, it's been busy. If I, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't drinking from a fire hose, I think is the expression. So Yes, I totally appreciate and understand, because I know we took some time to get this time on your calendar, and I totally appreciate you taking the time, because sure. yes, no. I, I know the time is being demanded upon you for multiple reasons, which are all valid. Right. But I think the other key piece and why we're doing this is to get some of the insights, the backstories of what you do and how you do and why you do what you do for the kids here. Sure. So that the community knows. Yeah. Okay. That's the key piece. So let's start with, and for those who may not have seen some of the early school committee meetings, you did start actually before July 1 when the principals and I guess your key leadership actually met. After the yes, last day of school, yes, they met, <laughs> or after the day after the last they day. They did. School. I think I I tweeted something about that too. Um, just I, I feel fortunate to continue to work here because the, the that's an example of the type of leaders we have in this district and our principals and assistant principals. Um, upon being named as the um, incoming superintendent, I reached out to all of them and said, "Look, it's really important to me that we." take advantage of that opportunity transitioning from within I think that was one of the benefits that um, was considered mm -hmm. I think is part of my selection and sure. I felt like why don't I'd like to honor that and like really move forward so what we did was we met uh, the day after school got out when I know principals wanted to be in their buildings and their assistant principals uh, they were here at central office third floor and they were meeting with me to talk about what plans do we need to start planning now so that we can be successful uh, to open up the school year in the fall and you've been busy since then <laughs> been busy since then yes most of what we'll talk about in this particular session i think are some themes that have come up and you addressed in your superintendent's report i believe on the october 25th memo uh, october 25th school committee meeting folks That'll be in the links in the show notes, so they don't have to go looking for it right away. But if you hadn't seen it, that's what we'll kind of talk to. But not so much to read the details, but to get the behind the scenes. So one of the key pieces there, and I think especially coming out of the pandemic, 
giving the state of the situation of the world, Massachusetts, and even Franklin, student behavior, which has had provided opportunities before, seems to be, you know, at a different level under these circumstances, and you're trying to address that in a variety of ways. We, we are, and, you know, uh, as a parent of children uh, who were are school-aged and experienced certainly the disruption from uh, COVID and the shutdown and our hybrid learning model and back to in-person, um, there are adjustments that are occurring, and I think I said this at school committee, and I mean it. Um, this certainly isn't a judgment or an indictment on any family or parent raising mm -hmm. children, but but behavior in general has definitely um, uh, negative behavior has increased, right. and it's manifested in a few ways. You know, we've seen things like uh, student conflicts, bullying, vandalism, mm -hmm. um, you know, inappropriate comments, offensive language, all of the things that you can imagine when you think of negative behavior sure. have really been um, something that have become really time consuming and a focus of our work as we start the year. Um, the memo that you're re referencing, I talked a little bit about, uh, one, it was specific around trying to get ahead of any potential issues, uh, any continued issues at some of our major spectator events. Sure. Um, and I think about um, the indoor in the high school gym and sure. volleyball yeah and you know um, some of the behaviors that occur kind of when students are in unstructured spaces and i would i referenced behind the bleachers at the football game yeah, um is another area so sure. I, I mentioned those as wherever students are um kind of coming together in unstructured spaces whether it's a hallway a bus uh behind a bleacher at an event or mm -hmm. um in the lunchroom, um, we've just seen an uptick in behavior. So many of the principals have reached out to their communities and talked about this and have put measures in place, but we've just seen that and we've really have uh, tried to work together as a team to figure out how are we going to try to really curb this even further. Right. Um, I'm working with our admin team currently um, because of a new law that came down um, on November 8th, technically was the start to it. So paired with the behavior we were seeing, um, there's been an update to the Mass General Law, and basically there's a law, and it's not a Harry Potter reference, but it's, um, it's 37H and three quarters. <laughs> um, and it basically talks about when uh, a decision maker is issuing any type of discipline, they, um, they really need to be sure that they've documented attempts to address the behavior in a variety of ways that do not include um, out-of-school suspension or even right. in-school suspension. So um, adding that layer um, is certainly something that we're navigating. We created handbooks and we have a discipline matrix, mm -hmm. which was part of the summer work sure. that we worked on to try to build out for families in response to some feedback from last year and some information we gathered around how do we start to like nail down and make it clear to kids when you engage in this type of behavior, this is what you can expect. And what we said you can expect it, we've paired it with consequences, but also interventions and learning. Because what we know is sometimes, and I would say all the time, um, just uh, holding someone accountable without some sort of education or opportunity to repair mm -hmm. the situation or learn from it right. um, is, is missing the mark, and we want to make that mark. So um, basically coming up with alternatives such as mediation, conflict resolution, restorative justice. So this is the work now. We've had to... Um, really dive into and put some uh, strategies in place and more will be coming out to families um, mm -hmm. from schools around. So it sounds like there's an additional layer, if any, of kind of reporting so that 
we can at least ensure that the steps that you've already put in place and have implemented are in fact being watched and followed um, and with some oversight capability. That's that's basically the gist of it, and we're just expected to um, have demonstrated that we tried alternatives to suspension. Right. Um, and there are times where it's okay, it's it's appropriate to suspend without having to have documented something depending prior. Depending on the circumstances. Pretend, uh, depending on the circumstances, and right. I think. Um, we just have to be uh, mindful of that as we move forward. So, mm -hmm. but behavior in general, our our main goal, if we're really trying to curb it and fix it, is students. You know, students need redirection. They need clear expectations of what it looks like when they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Sure. Um, it's not just about um, kind of just sharing the consequences. Don't do, don't do. Mm -hmm. But this is what we expect of you. So. This is what it looks like when you're appropriate in a lunchroom or on a bus. So we have work to do. Um, I had reached out in that school committee meeting to engage parents uh, in partnership to just work with um, work with their own children and give parents a chance to parent and come mm -hmm. together and, and work together to try to help us uh, help us all. Yeah, this is sounds like something that's certainly not going it, to. It's developed over time. It's not going to be solved immediately. No, but needs the time and the attention. An ongoing intention, ongoing reinforcement, right. in order to bring us to a better place. I'd, I'd be remiss too if I didn't mention, you know, the the mental health of our students. Yes, I do believe that. Uh, I don't believe all negative behavior is just a result of people choosing to want to mm -hmm. um, conduct themselves in a way right. that's inappropriate. I think it's manifested through um, how uh, the the populace and, and all students are feeling and coming mm -hmm. out. I think we're we're all seeing that uh, manifest in different ways, mm -hmm. uh, but certainly in school, negative behavior sometimes is a result of some some other things that right. other needs not being met or other issues that, that we need to help support kids with as well, which right. is a huge part of our job. Agreed. And I think you with the the substance abuse of the school wellness advisory, um, I forget which one of those, but you had a civils conversation at event at the high school last year, if I recall, around social media and its use and abuse, which leads, unfortunately, to some of these incidents. Yes, thank you for saying that. So we have partnered with the Safe Coalition and uh, the Substance Abuse Task Force, which um, Mrs. Morano is now um, leading and mm -hmm. co-facilitating um, with Jen Knight. And uh, they may be, uh, they may be having, they may move to a name change actually as well, because um, I think the the work, what we know is substance abuse is often a symptom okay. of other concerns. So I sure. think they're trying to look at this more holistically about a kid and still um, obviously manage and support that aspect. But there's clearly other other levels of mental health that they're interested to continue to educate our community in. Mm -hmm. So you reference critical conversations and um, we've done um, critical conversations on mental health and substance use and misuse. We've done uh, a social media last year, if you remember. Yep. Um, our state rep, Jeff Roy, facilitated a conversation with Georgia Wells from the Wall Street Journal Correct. around social media for yep. teens. And yep. um, I thought those were both successful programs. And we will continue, they will continue to, mm -hmm. to um, provide what we feel like, what are the topics that are most relevant. And there's a committee uh, assembled that has representation from um, our state level uh, politicians, state rep as a central office, school-based administrators, safe coalition representatives, students, and some community members. So 
Um, where uh, I'm excited to see the work that comes out for the next round of this. Mm -hmm. But we've seen, you know, that's that's an area where we want to help um, equip our community because what we do know is we can't do this alone as no. a system, and we don't want to, to be yeah. quite frank. Yeah. So there's some there's some work that we're doing in those areas. Yeah, and you're in position and for reflection at least because unfortunately a lot of that happens in the school environment and can distract if not disrupt the actual educational process it certainly needs to be addressed but yeah you you, you can't be the only one doing that because right. it does take the village to coin to re reuse that yeah. term um, to do so and it gives us a segue as well because I think related to the disciplining and the behavior piece one of the pieces that you also work with the Safe Coalition on is in regards to uh, vaping, as an example. Yes. So that if somebody is found, there is a class and process so that they don't have to get suspended. That if they choose to do that, that's, right. that's one of the benefits. Right. So we instituted um, a few years ago basically uh, the PASS model, and it's a positive alternative to suspension. We've applied it to um, substance use specifically um, in an effort to try to treat students who have um, engaged in, in substance use. And what we found is you, know, you can't discipline addiction out of somebody um, necessarily. And I feel like we owe it to our young people to try to educate them. But we also know we need help. We're not the experts on um, vaping diversion. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly we have a partner right in town now. Um, that's been very helpful um, in, in helping address that. So basically, when we get to a table with a family and we have this type of thing, we have obviously our school-based discipline, but we can sit at the table and say, listen, when 10 years ago, this would have been out of school, out of sight, out of mind, mm -hmm. and we'll see you when you come back and hope that you didn't engage in any of the behavior that got you kicked out over five days, and then hopefully you will change. And now what we've learned is let's get you with uh, paired with someone who is prepared and an expert in the field of, of substance use, mm -hmm. and let's get a research-based program off the ground. I think they use the Stanford model yes. to help educate kids, and let's start there, and uh, that's been helpful. I would also say in school, we have some school adjustment counselors Correct. who have been pivotal on first offenses. Yeah. So not every time, but if someone's demonstrated repeated patterns of behavior like this, mm -hmm. that's when we bring in and try to get them connected with, with a, a safe coalition. But just to be clear, we have our, um, our school adjustment counselors who, as a first step, are uh, the, first, the first people to respond and help educate kids and work through and try to uncover what's what's happening to, to, to take that risk in school and, and make bring in uh, a vape, for example, mm -hmm. and to use it in a bathroom and right. to get caught. There's a level of risk to that behavior sure. that I think we need to unpeel is, is this a need? Is this filling a void? Is right. this something, you know, what's the decision making that led to that? I yeah. think that's the work. So when we think about schools and we want to, we want to educate, I promise you, our goal is to have kids come in and, and be healthy automatically and, to learn. <laughs> and just teach history English and all those things I hear that sometimes sure. you know from people in the community and you know we have young people coming and and we need to help support and address this so that we can all learn because they're showing up every day and you know there's a high expectation for the level of care and, and education we provide kids in this town and as a parent who has kids in this community, I have the same expectations. So mm -hmm. I would just put that out there as something that we're really trying to focus on. 
Yeah, and I think there was another, there was a segment of, and I think it was the school committee meeting, I want to say last year, and whether it was the first half or second half, my, my timeline is a little bit off, um, or maybe a little bit off. But I think you also had a significant presentation with Josh Hanna, where you uh, focused on the high school approach to that, which, not to say that every school does something similar, but the high school clearly where a lot of this at that age level sure. is really where it's coming to fruition unfortunately and that's we'll include that in the show notes so people can go back and look at that sure. and cover that because the, the detail obviously in this conversation we're not going to get into but they'll be able to go back to that session sure. of the school committee and get the details yeah. and, and then still follow up in the appropriate channels right. it's not just coming to you but working through and i think you've reinforced that if you've got an issue with anybody in the schools go through the teacher yes and to the school principal Work through those channels before coming to the central office. If, if I could, if I could make a PSA on that, um, I would definitely agree that what our goal is is to have the people closest to the concern, the problem, the question. It's not always um, a negative or a mm -hmm. combative thing, um, but the folks who are closest to the answer um, are the best people to start with. I think when um, when uh, people go uh, ahead of uh, someone in a line a chain right. and this is not about me trying to be authoritative no I was I was a teacher an assistant principal at a middle school assistant principal at a high school principal and then assistant super I've, I've had multiple I was an ESP mm -hmm. I've had multiple roles in education and particularly here and I think that um, people in my opinion have had uh, better results when they start to start with the folks closest to it mm -hmm. and if you have a, a kid a student or a child who is in high school having them talk to their teacher and then if that's not resolved try to move to okay maybe the parent reaches out to the teacher and then if that there's other ways is this is curriculum because then you might go to a department head right. if it's behavioral I might go to the assistant principal for my child rather than jump to um, you know a school committee member or whatnot and sure. sometimes you go through those chains and you're not satisfied and it gets to that level and that's those are uh, things that we manage as well so that's not to say that that doesn't happen but certainly um, I would I would tell people the bandwidth um, within our district and we're really trying to help focus on our roles and the jobs that we have to do and, mm -hmm. and if people closer to an issue can manage something it free it, it creates space to work on um, other functions of the role and whatnot. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Being mindful of the time and the focus, clearly being closer to the issue, you get more of the other details, which may be factors that if you tried skipping the line, you may not necessarily know the full set of stories or right. the full set of details, and it just adds time to the resolution, which is the wrong way to go. Because the person has to now go back to those uh, folks anyway right. um, that might have been missed right. along the way, like if a principal wasn't contacted and mm -hmm. had no context, that would be right. an example. And then coming back to kind of the civil conversations, which I think is something that from my role in sharing this kind of media with the town side, with you and the school side, we as a community need to have, and the schools in particular, I think, are coming up with two kind of critical places to, to pick on that, critical conversations between the diversity, equity, inclusion plan and program going forward, and then, oh, by the way, you're redistricting. So let's take <laughs> one of those at a time, because they're, they're more than a mouthful to sure, chew on. Sure, sure. Um, 
which where do you want to start? Well, let's go with the DEI piece because okay. while this recording may come out after the event on Saturday the 19th, mm -hmm. that's only one of a series of discussions to help the community understand, as I understand it, what the school's role is and what Heidi's role is in terms of uh, helping meet the needs of the students across the spectrum. Right. So. Um you referenced Saturday, so I would just put, I don't know when this will go out, but, um, you know, we are, it, part of our plan, we pre we prepared a DEI presentation on October 25th. We shared it with the school committee and then created some goals around that work. So just to kind of build context, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, just to not over use an acronym, um, but certainly... Uh, if I had to summarize it in one word, I, I really would call it belongingness, and I think that applies to all kids. Mm -hmm. So um, we will be engaging on Saturday on a deep dive follow-up to our presentation. You have a presentation with multiple slides and, and tried to summarize some of the key pieces of, of information from that, but we the goal has been to engage our community in a two-way conversation. So Saturday is designed to do that, and um, we're excited to bring people together. You know, there are, there are obviously in our in our society in our town. There's uh, varying opinions on on a lot of a lot of the subjects, and and, mm -hmm. and diversity and inclusion is certainly one. And um, our goal in Franklin, from from my perch and my perspective, is to how do we continue to examine our system and make sure that we are creating experiences where all students. When I say all, I mean all are able to access their education and feel comfortable and belong and uh, we've eliminated any barrier that mm -hmm. we know about so that that can happen for everybody across the board and that's what equity means to me and um, with respect to diversity I see that as a strength of a community when you can look at a di you can hear diverse opinions you can work with folks from different um, backgrounds and cultures and really work together to understand each other and work to a better community for our for our town and for mm -hmm. our, our school system. Sure, and I think the portrait of the graduate and its key tenants, principles, attributes, I think structure the district in terms of preparing that person. And I'm saying person because they're no longer a kid by the time right. they graduated right. from high school to enter into college and then go beyond. Having been in the working world, yeah. it is clearly a diverse environment. Right. And we'll need to prepare them because, oh, by the way, collaboration, communication, acceptance and dealing with other different ideas, creating right. that civil conversation like we're having right now, yeah. that's going to be a key skill as I see it going forward. And others have certainly recognized it. So your efforts in trying to do that and then kind of modeling the behavior to the extent that we, we can, we, sure. <laughs> meaning the district, meaning the teachers, meaning the staff and the principals, et cetera. Right. It, it, it's not going to be done overnight. It's going to take a while to do that. It, it's it's going to take time, and I think we're dedicated to a longer. Uh, this is a this is not a, a sprint or a check the box type thing. This is right. about just be us working, you know, every day to examine our space and make sure that it's um, it's creating a welcoming space for all. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like you know when I think about the portrait of a grad empathetic and productive citizen, right? That's one of the tenets. Um, the other would be um, a reflective and innovative problem solver 
and a confident and self-aware individual. So when I mm -hmm. think about those pieces, um, when we we work as a, as a community and grow and learn and um, can can work together and, and accept all and, and work towards belonging. Back to that that mm -hmm. key phrase. I think that's a that makes all of us better. So sure. that's that's basically uh, the the premise of the goal and what we're really trying to achieve. And we hired uh, a DEI director to help us with this work. And I think that's been um, important for us to to dive in at a at a, at a, a higher level. And get more interaction. So this community event on Saturday is an example with families. Mm -hmm. But um, Heidi's also leading the A World of Difference um, peer leaders that right. have existed in Franklin before her time right. um, and have existed in many other schools yeah. that we have at our middle schools and high schools. And she's um, taking a leadership role and working with students in that way. Focus groups, visits with schools, and really trying to help us examine interventions when students engage in behavior that is a bias-based behavior mm -hmm. um, you know where we want to call in not call out right. so how do we engage in in providing some interventions that are appropriate that help a kid learn um, in those scenarios mm -hmm. how do we support victims who we've identified and determined through our processes that yeah this happened and this was not okay and then how do we work together to kind of repair that situation and help support a victim so right. all of those pieces that, that come into it and also staff training. One thing we, uh, when we conducted our survey two years ago, um, actually no, it was about a year and a half ago, staff talked about wanting to create spaces that are welcoming and belonging and want to be, uh, wanted the, the ability and the, the skill set to engage in conversations mm -hmm. that, uh, that uh, lead into this work in, in an appropriate um, professional way, right. but needing training and sure. wanting to make sure you know, and what are we really talking about? We're talking about do kids see themselves in the curriculum? Mm -hmm. Do um, students get a variety of narratives and perspectives on an issue? Right. To make sure that we're hearing. And I thought I've, I've heard uh, citizens reach out to me with that, you know, wanting to know about uh, just the divide, you know, has history been shared in a way that provides multiple opportunities to yeah. see what each perspective provided and, and kind of how that played out. So this is complex work. It's deep work, but we're committed to, at the initial stage, creating belonging and making sure that that's um, the, the first stage of, of the work. Mm -hmm. And we're not alone. 351 other communities are engaged in this work um, through the Department of Ed and through the Massachusetts Association of School Committees and the Superintendent Association. Um, we're all working in concert to provide resources so that no districts out there alone doing this, but we're right. all doing this in a really... Um, planful and mindful and thoughtful way yeah because it's it's really a problem in the community not just in franklin not just in mass it's across the country but we need to start somewhere so we'll start at home <laughs> so to speak and come through which also sets us up for another segment of that community civil conversation which will, can also get kind of emotional when we get into the redistricting discussion sure um because having moved here initially back in the mid-90s, we were also part of one of the redistricting. So we we benefited to the extent that we were one of the ones who, well, we came in. When did you move? In 95, we got okay. here. Right. And my daughters started at Parmenter, although the next year they were supposed to go to Jefferson. Okay. So they kind of grandfathered us. So instead of spending one year at Parmenter and then switching to Jefferson for the fifth grade, they kept her and then moved her to Remington, which would have been more natural. Sure. In that sense, in that circumstance, clearly 
may still occur depending upon however we go through the process, go through with the consultants and do the building blocks and look at where we are. But basically, and I know you're going to be working on this, but we've lost, quote, lost, <laughs> approximately 1,400 students are no longer in the buildings that we have. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we've closed one building, Davis Thayer, but we still have excess capacity in the buildings. And how do we equitably educate those students and also fiscally manage our resources because budget's still an issue as well. Correct. And that's a, that's a complex question and one that we're going to be exploring throughout this, this year. And I think it takes a team of people to really get to a really thoughtful decision around all these things. So you are correct around um, our enrollment having decreased. You know, we'll continue to see it decrease for a few years. Um, it's probably plateau, it will plateau probably in, in about six, we'll see it climb back up right. according to the demographer's forecast, which has been pretty accurate considering the um, pandemic. The pandemic. Right. Um, I'm sensitive to not jump to solutions. Uh, and I say that respectfully because uh, many people look to like a superintendent or a school committee mm -hmm. for answers or what are you doing? But I think that would actually eliminate the study and the analysis that needs to take place and I think we need to um, share and be transparent with our community around what what what's the context what are the enrollment figures what are the resources it's it's beyond a math problem if it was a math problem then I would make a recommendation and the school committee would vote and we would decide on what's going to happen but mm -hmm. um, local context matters the one thing we do know to your point school space remains static but student enrollment fluctuates. So with regard to that, I think we have a responsibility to look at what can we predict will be our enrollment? What what are our needs in each building? Mm -hmm. And at priority number one is, how do we create balance across our schools? And not just mathematical enrollment balance, but, res uh, balance, but resource balance and uh, diversity. Also considering transportation Yes. and the, the fiscal impacts of, of any type of change. Mm -hmm. And we had our first kickoff meeting on November 15th with the uh, group APGEO, who's led multiple redistricting um, initiatives. I mentioned to the group, some districts do this fairly regularly, right. um, I've heard, but I know that the demographer that we had used years ago, uh, a few years ago, talked about 15 years is, is I think he referenced the 15 year mark. So we're uh, going on, I think 2003 might have been the- Three or four. Three I or four. Um, yeah. And if you look here, we are in 2022 and it's uh, it's definitely feels time. We do have some imbalances across our elementary schools mm -hmm. and our middle schools. So it does make sense as a town, it's responsible to conduct an analysis. And I think as we go through this process, consider the local context, consider the enrollment projections, the needs across districts, our specialized programs, our ECDC, um, which is um, a full program, and looking at space for, for that as well. So there's, there's a lot of factors that will be mm -hmm. shared and discussed. And we have a group of uh, representatives who volunteered to be a part of this from our community stakeholders, community members, principals, each of our principals, from our uh, K to eight schools right. and our pre-K principal are on this committee, along with um, our school business administrator and mm -hmm. three school committee members. Yeah, so it's about fifty people. 50, or um, that's a big group, and I'll it be honest. Is. 
the 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 thought was you know we I said this to that group but the folks who applied and shared their rationale for wanting to be on I thought they were really thoughtful about their reasons for wanting to be mm -hmm. and it only made sense if we're trying to do this and, and we said we wanted to be transparent through the summer right and I've been transparent along the way with um, our notifications and updates on when things have occurred if you remember last year the space needs subcommittee yeah. uh, met uh, mr. Charles had presented on June 9th and yeah. shared basically where we were at with capacity and a recommendation from that was to conduct an analysis so through the summer securing the appropriate professionals to help us mm -hmm. establishing a team getting approval for that team and then meeting a with a kickoff uh, I think we've brought this along uh, in the appropriate process and I think we need to stick to that and continue that yeah. and uh, the questions you brought up and the considerations and um, there's a lot of solutions out there that people have opinions about, and I, I, I'm confident that by the end of this process, we'll arrive at um, a scenario that is responsible and takes into account the needs of our kids, which is priority number one for me is, are we meeting our, our students' needs to our best of our ability? Mm -hmm. Yeah, with that fiscal component as right. well. And it's, it's gonna take some time, and you've got relatively an aggressive timeline for this group with the consultant to walk through the data, picking up on a term they termed uh, building blocks, so chunks of data appropriately representing the blocks of where the students are, however they're sliced in regards to uh, educational needs, transportation needs, et cetera, and then building the model so that then the committee, the group advisory can then kind of do some what-if scenarios and say, well, if we did this, what would it look like? If we did this, what would it look like? Ultimately bubbling back to a proposal potentially with some alternatives that would go to I believe it's back to the uh, Space Needs Committee mm -hmm. and then ultimately to the school committee um, so while that takes time there's still a road beyond that if there was going to be any redistricting it would still be an implementation longer down right so the process through this uh, fall and spring mm -hmm. uh, fall winter and into spring is really to look at the, the components and the building blocks and build out scenarios and evaluate those. And there'll also be opportunities for our public to weigh in um, and survey and provide some opportunity for feedback. Um, the steering group is representative of parents from all of our elementaries right. and our middle schools. Yeah. And um, we have early childhood representation as well. So the idea is to try to put out models and get feedback on those models and was this considered was this at the end of the day Steve what I do know to be true is um, we need to make decisions that are grounded in what we believe is is right and I think the school committee has the ultimate authority on the approval of the districting lines correct but uh, we spent some time in the first meeting talking about guiding principles yes and that was a key uh, piece for me was to hear what is on what what are people what are the principles as we look at scenarios that we need to be thinking about and prioritizing, and mm -hmm. we are, uh, we will be putting out all this information on our website. We're creating, we created a redistricting page, page right. and it's going to be updated with information. We needed to get our kickoff meeting, and then we will put the presentations in there so people can come come along for the ride on this. And we've mm -hmm. also been televised or um, putting our meetings on Zoom as well. I narrated a bit as a um, like a talk show host the sure. best I could. Yep. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to do it to that level every time, 
but um, certainly we um, are going to continue through this process and take into consideration, you know, our enrollment, our financial impacts, uh, our space in our facilities, and um, most importantly, the needs of our kids and, and our ability to meet the needs of every single kid mm -hmm. is really what we're going to be looking yeah, at. So. I'm looking forward to going along the ride. I respect and understand the fifth year. They're certainly going to have to make their move, but then we're going to have to bring the other members of the community respectfully along the yes. ride. They're going to be somewhat delayed in terms of catching up because they're going to have to figure out some things, maybe a couple of alternatives for them right. to look at. And that's going to be interesting to make sure this is this is just a possibility. We need some feedback before we make sure. It. That's always going to be a challenge. But, yeah, between TV, radio, and uh, whatever resources we can bring to help because we also have the archive of the prior meetings when the Davis Thayer facility analysis pieces were going through the discussion, et cetera. And people are going to need to know those historical reference points. Sure. How did we get here? And I know you're working to address that as well. And why we're doing this is a key question. But then, okay, to your point, where do we really want to be right. to deliver the portrait of the graduate? Right. That's the ultimate. Right. Yep. Thank you for saying that. No. no. It, it's, it's key. That's what you're doing 24 hours a day, effectively. <laughs> or it seems like it's, it. it and you don't, like you don't it, need you know. to do it that way. <laughs> well, thank you for taking time to share in this forum. Um, I anticipate we will come back. I know you've wanted to. I certainly would like to. And I think the community will appreciate these sessions. Um, so depending upon your time, certainly, um, we'll work that in. Uh, anything else you want to close with at this point? I would just thank you for this opportunity to come out and, and share just a little bit of my thinking. You know, I'm continuing to transition and and, and and learn from a new perch. You know, even though I'm internal, this is a, a new role, but I'm really dedicated to doing this work to the, the best of my ability on behalf of the students in this in this town and wanting to do lead with integrity and do the best I can. And I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of the inside thinking and stuff that doesn't always come across on in an email or, or a <coughs> post. And right. certainly, you know, I learned a long time ago from a mentor I had when people don't have information, they, they can fill in information. Yeah. So I think, you know, the more we can communicate, the better. And uh, that's an area that I want to continue to grow in um, as I keep up with uh, the tasks of the superintendency. Yes. Well, good luck continuing that and we're certainly going to be here to help you do that and for the listeners thank you for listening stay tuned for more and as a quick reminder we do this because franklin matters we are now producing this in collaboration with franklin tv and franklin public radio this podcast is my public service effort for franklin but we can't do it alone we can always use your help how can you help if you can use the information that you find here please tell your friends and neighbors if you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008 and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for 
Franklin Matthews.